Welcome to Mindfulness Mindfulness, where we address everyday issues that might benefit from a little more mindfulness without taking it all too seriously. I'm Donna Lipman. I'm Lily Parrish. And today we have a very special guest, and her name is Donna Louise Stevens. Now, Donna is a woman of many, many talents, probably way too many for us to talk about here on our little podcast, Um, but I think we'll address a couple of them today. And in the words of my husband and your dad, Lily, and um, our producer, Tom Parrish, Donna is a 21st century Renaissance woman. Oh. You like that? <laughs> That's a perfect title for you. Isn't it good? Yeah. yeah. You're very good at a lot of things. So welcome. We are thrilled to have you. Thank you. It, we've been planning this for a while. We have. Yeah. It worked. We yeah. have. We, me too. I know you have a busy schedule. We all do. So. We do. We do. Well, I have known Donna for... 25 years or so, (laughs) and we met at a mutual friend's wedding in Llano, Texas, at the Dabs Hotel, for all of you Texans out there who are familiar with that wonderful landmark, and we had an immediate uh, attraction for one another, affinity, given our first names are exactly the same, but the fun part is that our middle names are exactly the same, too. (laughs) I mean, go figure. What are the chances of that? So I'm Donna Louise, and... I'm Donna Louise. (laughs) And Donna is the consummate entertainer. Um, songwriter, and she writes very fun and funny songs. Um, Her comedic talent is beyond, beyond, (laughs) in my estimation, anyway. And um, she does write poignant songs, too, but the comedic stuff is fun. It's it's clever and witty, and, you know, so um, hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit. And in full disclosure, um, well, uh, I think our listeners probably know by now I was a a singer, or I am a singer as well. Um, Not the songwriter yet, but um, I'm working on that part. And Donna and I, our styles have been different. (laughs) Way different. Way different, right? And she's a little bit country, I'm a little bit jazz, (laughs) and we never thought that we could really sing together but about a year or so ago we started to sing together and we now have the texas lovebirds and we are having an absolute blast what do we call it country cabaret country cabaret yeah <laughs> i like that's that actually really good <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a good uh, name for the the mishmash of genre yeah but you guys do complement each other well i think your styles aren't so disparate to where it's like hard to make sense of it together. I think it's kind of cute. And also, like, Donna Louise, that's usually what I call you, Donna Louise, non, <laughs> not mom Donna Louise, is really tall and lanky and thin. And Donna, <laughs> mama Donna, is really tiny. Tiny. And it's really cute seeing you guys on stage. And I can, you know, relate to you because I'm always the tall, lanky exactly. friend. <laughs> also. Exactly. And sometimes when um, – what surprised me after we sang together for a while, when mm-hmm. we'd have rehearsal tapes to take home, I'd go, "Wait a minute, is that is that me? Is that <laughs> yeah? Your harmonies are Donna? really tight and it's really good. awesome. Yeah. yeah, we did a show last week at South by Southwest, and these four guys came in, and they were so complimentary, saying you guys sound great together, mm-hmm. and that's really good feedback. Yeah, I, especially I from thirty something guys yes. who don't know us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we're older ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get to that too. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that too. Definitely. But I have heard that um, that a lot of a lot of bands that have f- phenomenal harmonies, a lot of the times the singers are related, um, like brothers. Oh. Or uh, there's a band that I love named Flat Lonesome, and they have amazing harmonies, and they're all related. So they've been singing together since they were could sing. And then also they probably have very similar like anatomy for creating sound in a similar way. Huh, and I've so it sounds that. really mm-hmm. good. And you guys are so different. <laughs> and it sounds really good. And that makes it even cooler. But we're soul sisters. Yeah. We are. We are Forever. Sisters. And we've never had a crossword, never had an argument as long as we've been friends. Mm-hmm. 
and, uh, and she's watched me through other people because I'm, you know, I'm right out there and authentic and mm-hmm. all that yes. stuff. And some people can, I can really trigger mm-hmm. um, their whatevers. And uh, it's been such a blessing for us to be friends because it's so darn easy. Everybody needs easy mm-hmm. friendships. Easy is okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have that in my friendships. Yeah, and it and it's sort of weird to me because if someone does really test to me, it sounds anatomical. Um, I, uh, <laughs> it's so I don't know how to deal with that. I'm like, you can just not be my friend. It's fine. I have plenty of friends that just like me, no matter what. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know why we need to make this so complicated. Yeah. So I don't know. I've gotten used to some of my friendships being, you know, I know they'll be testy sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know those people will be testy, and I will be. But I've gotten really good at noticing when the personality that I wasn't intended to be uh, takes over the system and mm. gets a little cranky. Yeah. You know, and I think the more we identify that and become familiar with when somebody gets testy, that's not really them speaking mm-hmm. in that moment. It's the behavior, but it's not the person. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's one of, been one of my biggest life lessons ever to make that distinction. It really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Um, Not just a little bit, but. I feel like I've packed about 80 lifetimes in this one because I was um, never on the traveled path. I always took the unbeaten path. I would, and always been a gypsy, never been married. Well, I was married for a really, really short amount of time, but that never should have happened. Um, <laughs> doesn't count. It, right. It really doesn't count. We're friends to the day, so, you know, whatever. He, he said, the day, the day that we divorced, he said, I'm sorry I got you to marry me. And I said, that's okay. <laughs> and that was pretty much, you know, that, that yeah, was pretty much it. And still be friends. Um, but ever since I was little, I was, you know... Um, free-spirited, like I was telling a friend this morning when I was three, and I knew what was right. I knew what was personally right for this body and this brain. And I was telling my friend this morning, I was about three, and my mom, she hit me. And I just looked at her. I didn't say a word. I turned around, and I went up to my room, and I got out my crayons, and I colored as far as my arm could reach up down uh, for a long time and then she came up because I had been so quiet. Uh, on the wall? Yes oh. on the wall and <laughs> she came up I had been so quiet she opened it up and there's my whole room halfway colored as far as I could reach up and uh, for three years old and she goes oh my gosh Don, what have you done and I said I I colored the room she goes why would you do that and I said because you hit me Boom. Wow. Out of the mouth of babes. And I always kind of liked that. I went to a private Catholic school, and I remember when we forgot our chapel veil, the nuns would make us bobby pin Kleenex in our hair. Mm -hmm. And I would throw a fit and get get sent to the principal's office because I'm like, God doesn't care if I have a Kleenex on my head. (laughs) Especially a Kleenex. (laughs) It just didn't make sense to, so I I came out of the womb knowing what was in integrity, and I I fought like heck to keep that, and it just, it didn't happen, you know, like it doesn't happen to a lot of people who suffer a lot of trauma when they were young, especially sensitive beings, you know, two people can experience the same thing, and one is affected by by it so much more. And I was that. I was this artistic, sensitive, just open, creative little being. And after a while, it was just like, and I was shoved in a a coat that was too small. And then I grew. And I grew like those, like the dogs that are tied up in the collars when they're young Mm -hmm. and and the collars have to be removed. It felt like that. And so the removal of that coat was equally as painful as a dog that had been in that and has to get that, you know, and it has to heal. And it has to, it's an open, you know, it's an open wound for a while. And, and that's what my life has been about. I was um, bulimorexic for a long time, 
uh, for 14 years, 14 years actively. And then so I crawled out of that, and um, my body was in chronic pain for, oh, my gosh, I couldn't sit for longer than 20 minutes. I couldn't lie down for longer than 20 minutes. I couldn't stand up for longer than 20 minutes. So I found myself in this constant uh, state of agony, or the body anyway. But then I didn't recognize, oh, it's not me that's in pain. It's the body that's in pain. And that's a significant uh, distinction I've made over the years in the healing path. And so I walked around for about two months going, do I have the courage to take my life or not? Because there was no quality of life what for, you know, whatsoever. And I was living in Eugene, Oregon, and literally I didn't work very much because I was the body was in so much pain. And I walked around and I thought, can I do it? Can I not? How would I do it? Not or not? And um, it was pretty rational. And then I thought, well, I can't. So I knew something had to, had to really, really change in my life. And all the while, the creativity was still there. All the while, that was like the one thing throughout childhood, throughout um, angst, teen years, my wild 20s, um, my questioning 30s. <laughs> it was there, my creativity. I can honestly say until these past couple of years, and I think I know why that happened, um, that my creativity has been my life support. And so what I've discovered is a brain that's not being creative is acting out of that distress, like the future. I mean, do we ever think about the future in a great way? We mostly say, oh, God, what's going to happen? Oh, what God, if? Well, that's that's what I'm calling the chatter. And if that's going on all the time, like it was with me, I was in an emergency state of attention. Ooh, there's so much to tell. Um, so we don't even have to ask any questions. It's I'll all right there. Captive audience. Yes. Uh, I feel like we should have filmed this because you're such a good storyteller. Yes, yes. I wish you all could see what's happening here. Anyway, what I found that was the basic understanding that's always been there but just got forgotten was there's an inherent peace of mind, an inherent stillness from which creativity flows up. Mm. And in retrospect, I look back in my life, and even though it was all that chaos, my mind was OCD, eating disorders, getting on boats, going to from Mexico to Hawaii with people I didn't know at the age of 19. I mean, just crazy, crazy adventuresome stuff that when I was creating... That was God sent, if you like that word. I call it my muse with a capital M. And I don't even, I don't even take credit for my material more. I did when I was a younger artist and was, uh, you know, got in a lot of trouble for being, taking credit for what was coming through me, not from me. And I had many experiences after that. Oh, this comes through me. So when I write a song... It's like, it's just there. Uh, it's the words come through my mind, and this body takes out a pen and goes. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be married to a man who would make fun of me because I'd laugh all the time when I was writing, and he goes, "You think you're so funny?" I'm like, "It's not me. It's my, it's my creative mind. It's my muse." Um, Do you remember the first song you ever wrote? Oh gosh, I don't think I've ever asked you that before. Well, I remember being in a station wagon in my car. Now, this is nothing like what the songwriter I progressed into being, but I remember being in my car about four, going up on a mountain, up on a mountain, up on a mountain. <laughs> I think that was about it. And my brothers and sisters were like, shut up, don't ever make that noise. Um, so I never had any faith in myself as a singer for a long time. And that, too, had to deal with it becoming depersonalized. Mm -hmm. I went in a million different directions right there. Um, <laughs> so you can steer me back where you want to go. <laughs> that, it all made so much sense, though. Okay. And I can relate being highly sensitive and highly creative. And it something I've talked about on previous episodes is um, how overstimulating it can be. And for me, uh, I don't... Are you more introverted? You seem very extroverted to me, but then... 
I don't know. You know, I think I'm a, I, like I meditate sometimes. I'm by myself. I yeah. love to watch the workings of my mind four or five hours. Yeah. Um, so I'm either an extrovert who likes a lot of alone time mm-hmm. or I'm an introvert who loves people. Yeah. I'm, and it's silly to like make it such a duality. There's so many levels, but I'm extremely introverted and I don't really like being around people. <laughs> And when I am, and there's, and it's like stimulating on a creative sense and also an emotional sense, it's so draining for me. And I, I think kind of, you know, difference between us, obviously, is that I was lucky to have a very tender childhood Mm. and to have a lot of room to, or uh, to be given a lot of tools to give, make myself happy and to have space, you know, if that makes sense. Um, but that being said, everything you said, I can really relate to. And I kind of wonder sometimes, like, if I had had similar circumstances, but in a different situation, like, where would I have spun mm. out of control, kind of? Because, um, yeah, it's it's very hard being highly creative and needing time to be creative to feel yourself, but then also feeling so overstimulated that it takes time to heal from the overstimulation before, in my case, that sometimes I can be creative that makes sense yeah I would the way I would um, say that for me is there is a lens of attention that everybody looks out of and there's a global way of looking and a local way of looking and then an emergency state of attention (laughs) and there's these hunters in Africa that hunt with a global view that means they're seeing the whole moment as one thing rather than looking at anything any one thing making it seem like it's in the foreground so just the whole moment equal and simultaneous attention to everything and in that global looking if something moves then that's seen and then the the lens of attention will shrink to go directly to that object and then the task can be done boom the focus opens back up to hunt again for the hunt again so it's not that the moment goes away or it's not that that global vision goes away but there's some kind of constriction that allows us to see only a portion of it and Trauma in the brain creates these imaginary, it's like a a virtual reality. You know, you hear all these, how many people don't hear conversations in their head? But they seem like they're actually happening. Or the future, they're thinking about it, and it seems like it's actually happening now because there's all this little dialogue and all these little images in the mind. And yet, that's virtual. And if we're not taught... To pay attention in a global way, the way we came into this world as babies, if we don't return to that relaxed attention, and it's not a doing, it's an undoing, it's, a re- it's noticing, wow, I'm in that emergency state of attention. I'm in that hyper state of, uh, of attention without there being an emergency. Then to be able to distinguish that difference and learn to relax the way attention is being paid then the overwhelm doesn't happen so what you're talking about as a kid and all we get and there's so much stimulation here right and what are we doing pay attention pay attention pay attention pay attention pay attention or we have now little computers on our wrists mm. you know yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the mac ring comes yeah. out next oh, and I'm making sure. that lens of stick something in your head even smaller <laughs> yes because yeah. you're, we're focusing on that, you know, look at people with their phones. Look how much of the rest of the moment is still there, but oblivion. I lead tours on bicycles and go down the trail, and people have on earphones, and they're running right smack down in, in the middle of the road. They can't hear the people calling. They can't hear the bell of the bicycle. They can't hear them. They're in their own little world while the rest of the world is still going on, and that's what's happening with attention and it's getting more contracted rather than less. And so And what are the consequences of that? An emergency state of attention mm-hmm. that is um, anxiety, mm. overwhelm, mm. feeling separate, uh, making up stories, believing those stories, believing the mind, what the mind says, 
really the only thing you can believe is a creative thought. And that means you haven't thought it before. You know, we go run around saying, oh, I, you know, this is an emergency state of attention. I'm a piece of whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a piece. Of, and that, that just filters through, filters through. And anything that filters through like that, you know, it comes from an emergency state of attention, but it's not true. But because it's in the head and it's right there, it's the closest thing to the consciousness of the brain. It seems like it's in the foreground. Learning to relax attention, however, will allow it to be seen for what it is, which is a mechanical voice saying things that are untrue and affecting the nervous system of the body. This is another one of your talents. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. And you call this? Um, attention training, Attention actually. training. Uh, I learned it from Dr. Les Femi. He wrote a book called Open Focus. Right. Mm. He calls it Open Focus, Global Focus. It's just a relaxed way of sensing. It's how babies come in. Mm. They're listening not just to a thought. They don't even have them yet. Mm. You know, I love to ask a question. Who would you have been? without trauma or if I'm about to do something wait a minute with like there's a habit of popping the knuckles right Mm -hmm. and now when the knuckles pop I go oh that wouldn't have happened most likely had there not been trauma I wouldn't have chosen that nervous habit Mm -hmm. oh so I know that's not who I was intended to be and so by noticing um and by asking that question who what would I be doing now? How would I be reacting if there hadn't been trauma? That's a beautiful contemplation. Mm-hmm. Who would this other person have been? And we confuse the people with the behavior instead of going, he's not a, a butthead. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the truth of that? He did something that crossed a boundary of mine. That's the truth of that. It's not he's a horrible p- person but when we're in emergency state of attention we confuse the behavior with the person and you know there's a lot of people out there that are in emergency state including the people running the country right now absolutely and that is such a narrow narrow emergency function and there's so many that people that hate the person rather than hating the behavior and when you hate the person you can't really do anything about it no when you separate the person, because mm, whoever the people that we hate are or the people that we throw our vitriol at are, that's just our survival mode looking at their survival mode. That's all it is. Because whoever it was was born with their mind. Now, there might have been programming in the body, but, but prior to thought, and the degree to the distress, I'm convinced, is the degree to the of, of trauma that was that person went through, whether they were a sensitive being or 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 not. And it just gets narrower and narrower. And the biggest byproduct of narrow focus or emergency state of attention is it's all about me, is selfishness. Yeah, because you lose perspective when, like, physically and emotionally, there's just not no. Nothing else exists beyond this. Like, I like the example that you said of this, like a cell phone or your iPhone or something. It's amazing how people can be so connected to those without any awareness of what's... Hyper-focused. Hyper-focused. Or also just, I noticed this recently. I was, uh, I've lived in my apartment for almost two years, so it's lived in now. And um, one of my dogs is always looking up. I think I have a ghost, actually. My <laughs> analysis, but he's always looking up. And one time he looked up, and I realized oh, my fans are so dirty. And it's funny because it's like I never looked up. Like I have right. this plane of a vision in my apartment. And then uh, a couple of days ago, he was in my bathroom and he looked up, and I was like, "Damn it, you're right. That light has never been dusted." <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I really caught me thinking of like I have these this level that I look and think and kind of exist on and it really takes some other little creature in my case to say hey you need to broaden your 
perspective and look a little bit higher. And it's such a tiny little example. I know that this has a much more consequential. It's a, no, it's a perfect yeah. example. But um, it was, it's so funny. And it's like all comes from this dog who, you know, physically speaking, is much lower than I am. But he, there's just something about his vision where he he's always looking high in the apartment. So and cute. so your attention. So my attention goes out there and I say, oh, I, I need to clean that and. Right, but was that ever gone? Did the light ever really no, disappear? No, it no, didn't. it was just the lens it of was attention just, Yeah, struck. exactly. You weren't looking out of that. Exactly, and and, so, and that's so sad because it's like I never want to live in a state of knowing that I could have known more or more could have been available to me, and I didn't take it. You know, it's like I always want to see the lights and the van of a room. Yes, and not just go in with the like you know, action of like sleep in bed here, eat the food here. You know, I want to really enjoy my space. If that's my space of being a human being in the world or just my apartment, wherever it is. Right. And we go to our minds for answers. What am I going to do? Do-do-do-do-do. Rather than what needs to be done now? What needs to be Mm -hmm. done now? Because guaranteed, whatever state that your lens of attention is in, whether it's narrow or a little bit more relaxed. And you can tell by people's faces. If you look at their face and they're all, they're, they're in an emergency state of attention. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't talk to someone. I had my housemate the other night, he was upset. And um, he <laughs> laid down this ridiculous, what I thought to be ridiculous, um, rule that I was going to have to move out. And I realized he was upset. He was in this emergency state of attention. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to talk to you about this for three days. Let's talk about it in three days. When we remember how much we care about each other, when we remember that we really do like living together 98% of the time. (laughs) Um, So that's when I'm going to talk to you. And sure enough, he softened the next day and came and and said, you want to go have a margarita and talk? And then everything got (laughs) resolved. I'll never say no to a margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, That's so smart. And I think it's, it's smart to uh, – th- we live in a world where everything is so instant, like text messages. Yes. or And if you don't respond to a text message, dad's really bad about this. In like 30 minutes, he'll start sending you question marks until you answer it. I'm like, maybe I'm not looking at my phone right now, okay? Right. And I, I think it's kind of funny, <laughs> not to make it gener- generational, but uh, it's like, you know, with my grandma, for example, she'd sat a cell phone for like five years. She lived the previous three quarters of a century without one and was fine. But then like now if she, she doesn't get that instant fix of exactly. like somebody texting her back, she like loses her mind. Um, and it's it's just so funny to think about like um, – we don't have to be in that like single moment. And sometimes having a little bit of time to think about your answer and calm down off an emotion has, it's just such a better, um, you know, positive outcome for everyone. So I've had a couple situations with acquaintances recently where I just don't respond right away. And then I say, Hey, I just needed a moment to think about my response. Here's my answer. And it feels way more authentic. And I didn't get my feathers ruffled and I didn't, I wasn't vitriolic out of spite in the moment. Right. It, that totally would have passed. Right. In like, I'm a fire sign, so it's, you know, very quick, and then it goes away for me, and I'm like, fine. Um, so, yeah, that's huge, and that's sweet that your roommate made space for that, too. <laughs> I, I used that with a coaching client the other day. Oh, great. And I told her, you know, just go to him and say, you know, that you won't be speaking to him in this particular kind of uh condition you know that he's in and that you'd be happy to talk with him in a couple of days and she she said to me I never thought of that <laughs> and she did it and she said wow it worked yeah it yeah. worked because you can't relate to someone's survival self it, 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 there's no listening there good point there's no yes. listening it's incapable they're not unwilling they're incapable yeah Oh, such of, a good point. Yeah. State of emergency attention. And mm-hmm. I think if you are in a situation where you have to be with somebody who's in that state, like maybe it's not directed at you. They, they're they really angry because they, you know, had got a bad performance review at work or something and you just happen to be the one group roped into getting a margarita with them. I think it's fine to say, like, I'm going to be here in this space with you as you're angry, but I'm not going to fuel your fire. I'm not going to, like 
tease you on to say bad things about your shitty boss exactly. or whatever. I'm just going to say, wow, I hear you. That sounds so bad. What a bad situation. Let's get it all out. And then we can talk about strategizing tomorrow or like exactly. after the second margarita. <laughs> or exactly. I have a personal mantra that I've used. I don't remember when it came, but it's take no action from a place of distress. Mm. Smartest advice yeah. that I can ever give myself. Yeah. I think another narrative that I see a lot in um, – I almost like think they're like these Instagram spirituality trends, you know, it's like live every day like it's your last sort of like, you know, carpe diem, that sort of thing. And I think that um, so many people get so caught up in that instant gratification type of thing that they forget to realize that, you know, time heals all wounds in some sense. And um, making a little bit of space from something traumatic is important and making decisions when you have a clear head is important too and you can totally find a balance of like living your bliss and being passionate and kind in the moment and doing things on a whim but also giving time if you have the time to not um make a rash decision that's going to make everything much worse in the end oh and it's hard in the beginning i had to like do not write that email (laughs) you know strap myself in the chair i would just say go lay down yeah go lay down You've sent me a couple of those emails before they've been sent, and I'm going, no, 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 no exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I've I've been I've been pretty good now. Now my first thing is go mm-hmm. lay down. Yeah, until this passes. That's Just so smart. Go lay down, and you know the the mind will be. But I've gotten adept enough at relaxing attention to notice. That particular uh, crummy song, that same old song, he did this and she did that. Mm-hmm. La, 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 la. No, it is kind of like a, you know, just a, the same rodeo, uh, radio program mm-hmm. over and over. And I've gotten to the point where I go, I recognize that. Mm-hmm. That's not creative. I've heard it about four million times in my life. Maybe I'm not going to believe it this time. Yeah. And when there's that choice, which comes from, the ability to relax attention, then you have a choice whether to be triggered or not. Yeah. But you first have to become familiar with your own survival self. Yeah. Oh, I'm in survival. Go lay down. Totally. <laughs> it's, like giving a, it's like giving a kid a timeout. You give yourself a timeout. Oh, no, yeah. No, 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 definitely no, 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 giving no. myself a time. Yeah. I also think we can make uh, bad behavior a habit. Like I noticed that um, – so on Instagram, they have these Instagram stories, if you guys are familiar with that. So you post your little picture. That's like the regular Instagram. And the story is just like something that lasts for 24 hours or something or 48 hours maybe. And there was a person who I followed who I'm friends with. Um, and every time I, she would post one of those little stories, it was always her complaining. And she'd always be complaining about something. And then I would watch them almost every day. And then I noticed that my immediate reaction to me was complaining. So if something happened, I would immediately text one of my friends, like, I cannot believe this happened. This is so shitty. You know, this whole thing. And then I, I, I one day woke up and I realized I'm making a habit out of reacting to something with a complaint. Yes. Versus, like, that happened. So now I have this little note, you know, and you have your notes on your phone or your computer, and I'll just, like, type my little complaint in there. I'm like, I'm just going to notice that this shitty thing happened, but I'm not going to, like, put it on anyone else, and I'm not going to perpetuate somebody else's complaining habit. Exactly. And also, I'm going to unfollow this person on Instagram. There you go. So I'm not exposing myself to it. And it's, like, really fast, my attitude and my reactions to things changed. Like, within, I think, four to six weeks. And now I almost feel like somebody else has to tell me, like, that was shitty. Like, it's huh. okay. You can just say that was shitty. I'm like, it happened. Right. But, you know? Well, and not, I'm not saying that I'm, like, foolproof because I'm sure there will be things that ruffle my feathers are just really tender for me. And I'm not, you know, I need to work on that. But instead of everything being something I can complain about, every person who pulled out in front of me in traffic right. or, like, took the last really good-looking bunch of strawberries at HEB or whatever, it's, like, just feel like my mind doesn't even waste energy with right. that. We have a jar in our house as of about four days ago, it's a complaint <laughs> jar, and whoever complains has to put a dollar in it. Smart. We haven't been around each other, but I'm going to do it myself, too. If I complain about mm-hmm. something, I'm going to put Hold my own dollar in account. the jar. Oh, what a good idea. And, and then, then you can buy, buy margaritas. snacks. Oh, margaritas. <laughs> margaritas, yeah. Snacks? No, margaritas. Margaritas and snacks. <laughs> yes, both. Yeah. 
That's great. <laughs> um, can we make just like a hard right? Sure. Yeah. So I really want to hear about how you came up with the song, Older Ladies, of which you have had kind of like your 15 minutes of fame from. Oh, yeah, longer than longer. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, older Ladies came when I was sitting on a, a van waiting to go to my friend's house who I actually wrote the song about. And she had called me, speaking of complaining, and she said, oh, I asked my, I, I asked my husband a stupid question. I said, honey, do you, would you like my body to look like the way it did 10 years ago? And we have an honestly, honesty-only contract. And... Um, he said yes. I'm like, well, <laughs> what do you expect you to say? <laughs> <laughs> I need to your own grave, sweetheart. <laughs> anyway, I so, wonder what she was searching for. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And so I'm on this van in Dallas going to their house, and I'm just waiting on the airport, and nobody was in there, and this song cart starts coming through. Well, I ain't 16, not a beauty queen, and my eyes are bagging, and it, it, this one came through melody and words right the whole all together first, wow whole first it does fit so like the cadence and the phrasing in that song is so perfect thank you that i can see that that just sort <laughs> of just came dumb. as a package deal it didn't seem like you were searching around for the right word you no. know like it just it um and fits. then and then so i was writing it down i didn't I was, something was wrong with my phone or i lost it or something like i'm always losing it um <laughs> Age-related ADD of this song that called that. That's another song (laughs) (laughs) Um, that I sing with Donna Louise. Yes. Um, Anyway, so I'm writing, writing, writing on this little piece of paper in this little golf pencil or the little kitty library pencils right and the van is filling up and i'm not even paying attention because it's coming in and i'm singing because i don't have anything to record it into so the way i do it is sing it over and over and over and over and over and over and uh when i look up one, oh no, one of the guys says, what are you doing? And this is after we were taken off. I said, I'm writing this song. Don't talk to me. No, no, no. Laughing at yourself. And finally, I'm like, oh. okay, first draft was there. And uh, I mean, it all just spilled out. And he goes, are you finished? And, and I said, yeah. And he goes, hey, everybody, shut up. She's going to sing us the song she just wrote. <laughs> and there were, I look up and there are, Eight, ten men over the age of 65, all in business suits on this van. And I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to get to it, but I want to do this because this is the test audience yeah, for this song. Yeah, you had a built-in mm-hmm. little, uh, what's it called, demo audience? No, exactly. Called. So I got through, and they were Focus laughing, group. laughing, laughing, laughing. Oh, I hit the table. I'm sorry. Um, I was laughing, 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 and they were. And it was, uh, so that was the birth of the song. I got to their house. I sang it. But what's interesting is originally is it goes, if that's the reason that you don't love me, maybe that's not love. And it's an invitation, a question. Mm-hmm. Well, it came out of baby, that's not love. And if oh. that's the reason that you don't love me, then baby, that's not love. And so as I was tweaking it, because I really care about all my songs being universal mm-hmm. and not making anybody wrong and inclusive, um, which has driven a lot of people crazy, but that's just the kind of songwriter I am. And um, But I saw that made such a difference, such a softening in the lyrics of going, maybe that's not love, to baby that's not love. Yeah. It takes that pointing finger away and the hands extend to a question. Mm-hmm. And it was that it's those kind of little things that soften, you know, soften it. And then like, what am I going to rhyme with? My tummy ain't tucked, and here it comes, or liposucked. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Sometimes I'll use a rhyming dictionary on, yeah. online, uh-huh. and I'll just run through. I'll run through, but my muse will say, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the word. And then it'll come. It's pretty magical. Well, that song's so fun. And it had a video. Yes, 17, almost 17 million views, folks. And if you want to see it, it's on YouTube. Donalou Stevens, Older Ladies. What's it called? Older Ladies, Older Ladies, Older Ladies. 
what are we, everyone? We're divine! <laughs> I was hoping that you guys would sing a little bit. <laughs> oh, we have so many. So many. So yeah. many clever ones. How about, do you think you could love me like my dog does? That's actually my motto in life. <laughs> I have a, it's a genuine fear for me. Exactly. Um. And private summer? My oh, yes. own private summer. Oh, about for hot flashes. About mm-hmm. hot flashes. And I find it appalling that snowflakes are falling and I'm peeling the layers away. <laughs> I swear it must be 100 degrees for at least a minute or five. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think I've heard that one yet. No, we, we haven't sung it oh, yet. Oh, okay, cool. We're learning it. We're just that was a little it. out of my key, out of my range. We actually <laughs> <liked> it. <laughs> Sound better than that. And then you have the age-related ADD, which you mentioned, which is pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's your heroin called? Uh, big, big hair. hair don't. Big hair don't. I should have about my favorite line in it is Hair should never be so big it interferes with sleep or makes you lose your balance or attracts a horny sheep. <laughs> makes you lose your balance or <laughs> <laughs> And they sing it with these crazy they're not wigs, they're like Foam hair hats. <laughs> Big hair. They're two-dimensional wigs. Yes. They're so funny. Oh, it's fun. Um, who are some of your music, um, like who did you listen to growing up or people who really inspire you or maybe it's a lot of different people? Dr. Seuss. <laughs> um, really, it was more that I didn't grow up in a musical family at all. And I was terrified to sing because people made fun of me when I sang. When in I was fact, little. you didn't for quite some time. I didn't. Time. I got other people to sing my songs when I started writing songs. And uh, then one day I was in a meditation, weekend meditation, and the, the voice, uh, the tiny voice says, You know, the reason you got these songs is because you're supposed to sing them. And coming from an acting background, I know what it is to take on a character from the, you know, kind of from the inside out. And all of a sudden, I'm walking like that character, and the face is different, and you know, the, it embodies it. And it, I just, I don't do anything; it just happens. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's what you have to do: get out of your own way and just let the songs be sung. And so now, and I started looking at, well, what other singers don't have the greatest instrument in the world, but they sure can sell a song. And there's lots of us, yes. you know. So I don't, you know, whatever. You know, um, I can't imagine you not singing your songs because they're so personal from the heart. And you're like, as you said earlier, just sort of the ultimate performer. So I just, yeah, that'd be so weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was weird. And when I when I played it back, because I had some really good people. I had Don Walzer, um, Sarah Hickman, Leanne Atherton, local musicians, Mm -hmm. um, Walt Wilkins, they were all singing on him. And I listened to it back, and I was like, I like it, but it's not quite it. Yeah. It's not quite it. It didn't have the, I couldn't convey the essence of the song. And so that's when I got told, well, actually several years later, you know, do it. And that's what I convey. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to have the perfect voice. So, I think you have a great voice. Thank and you. I didn't even know that I didn't even question you or your voice until really recently and you were telling me I think it was the story you were telling me recently about playing the guitar. Like you saw this guy on the the lake and he was playing his guitar and you were like, I'm a singer, I'm gonna Yeah. And and he said some terrible thing about your voice, which and I was like, Why would anyone say that? And then you made some comment about like I'm not really a singer. Because I just I know you relatively recently, so I just thought you were like Donna and like <laughs> I had to sing forever and no big deal, you know? Oh my gosh, you should see every time before I perform, talk about the personality getting in the way. It's like uh, the body feels like it's about to die. It's that exposed. I mean, that's what stage fright is. Mm-hmm. And just, we went to an audition recently, and all it was was a minute and a half, and there were a lot of nerves <laughs> happening there. Oh, I man. can't imagine. Yeah, yeah it's I so- can't even sing if there's another person in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the most entertaining, one of the most entertaining things that I've seen is I have a young friend. She's like my heart daughter. Um and she cannot carry a tune, but she loves to sing. <laughs> and she will sing, and that 
essence is there mm-hmm. because that fear is not there. And it's just as joyful as somebody that can sing. Mm-hmm. It's that fear, I'm going to sound bad, that yeah. that ruins it. I it's not foolish. even the voice that ruins yeah. it. Yeah. It's the insecurity mm-hmm. about letting the instrument be sung, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what it sounds like. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's sweet. I I think I'm realizing, so I grew up singing a lot. I went to school where we sang all the time. And whenever my friends and I get together, we always sing together. It's like, I don't, it's almost not even a choice. We'll just all start singing. We all remember our harmonies and stuff. Although I realized when we were singing recently that I was stuck singing the alto part and I don't have a low voice. And I think part of the reason I was so self-conscious about my voice is because I actually have a higher singing voice. So that now I sing the high part with them. But anyway, um, <laughs> I realized that that was so soothing, and I have this thing that I automatically do when I'm nervous in the car because I'm a really nervous driver. If I'm really nervous, like because it's rainy or the traffic's bad, I always turn on music to sing. Like if if I was usually I listen to a podcast or an audiobook, and I immediately turn it off and I'm like I gotta listen to some Joni Mitchell or like something in yeah. my range that I can sing or Dolly Parton, like who has similar tone of voice, um, and I can not not that my voice sounds like Dolly Parton, like. Um, range, just right. range, right. <laughs> and uh, and I immediately calm down. I feel so much better. I've noticed. I've just been doing that more. I, I don't think I'm doing it more. I'm just noticing it more that when I'm anxious, I sing, and I don't have a good singing voice at all. But I think it's just that like release and probably controlling your breath. It feels really good, and it gets your heart rate down, and you just get your mind off something. It's like a gentle body mind connection. Exactly. It's hard to be upset when you're, you're singing. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Donna and said to me the other upset, day, like you can power sing, and it feels really good too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I was going to say, Donna said to me the other day that I'm looking over there. We were doing a show and and you're just smiling. You smile so much. I can't help myself. (laughs) And this has been a little bit of a journey for me too, being in the Lovebirds, because you know, I, we do a little bit in the in the show about how I have been the you know the elegant cabaret singer and torchy love song singer that kind of thing and. Um, to, I don't consider myself a very funny person, and I get to express some of that in in our group. Yeah, and I, you know, I was very nervous about the whole thing, especially when it came to you know some of the moving parts where we're dancing or we're doing some of that body slapping stuff. And <laughs> remember when we were first looking at the body slapping on YouTube? Can and you I define said, that for the audience? Oh, body slapping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's where they just slap each other in front of the microphone. Well, it's kind of a, what would you say it is? It's kind of a dance. It's like body rhythm. Rhythm, percussion, yeah. yeah. Body slapping, yeah. Um, We're watching it on YouTube, and I'm thinking, I can't do that. That's what she said. I can't do that. And I'm like. Have you met you? You can clap your hands. Stop. (laughs) Hello. Stop. You can clap your hands. (laughs) Well, it's all turned out really well. Yeah. Picked it up in no time. I can do it. Duh. And the little... um, The gestures that you guys do probably help you remember the song somewhat, too. Because you're... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that at Indigo's play. My nephew's little uh, second grade play. They have gestures for each, you know, sound, and it's eurythmy because it's Waldorf. So each sound, each um, homophone, like letter sound, has a different gesture in eurythmy. So that's how you huh. remember it. And but of course, I still remember eurythmy. Of so course. I'm like, of course, that's the gesture. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, we really should have videotaped. Oh, she's <laughs> gesturing. <laughs> I remember all of them. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, and maybe that even helps with stage fright a little bit. I don't know, just to have something to rely on. You know, and authenticity, that is what helps the most with stage fright. If I will, like when I bumped the desk before, I'm like, oh, I bumped the desk. Right. You know, wow. Um, but if I go out there and my, the body is a bundle of nerves, mm-hmm. I'll say, so my body feels like it's going to die, like on a very first date. <laughs> so it's like I'm having a first day yeah. times 100. Um, so. Let's all breathe with me <laughs> before we start. And then people immediately are like, oh, they're so touched, you know? Right. And that's so real. It's so real. Yeah. In my interview today, I had a job interview today, and the guy um, 
who was sitting across from me said, how are you doing? And I was like, good. I said, no, I'm really nervous. (laughs) Usually I'm not nervous in interviews, but I'm really excited to meet you guys and I'm so nervous. And he was like, oh my gosh, well, we'll make this really easy for you. You know, and I could have gone in there and like to pretend to be calm and collected, but ultimately I want to be my most authentic self. So if they wanted someone who's really calm and collected all the time, then I probably wasn't a good candidate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right, so this is probably like having uh, a bunch of children and then picking your favorite one. <laughs> but what is your favorite song that you've written? Oh, God. <laughs> hmm. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. I know in the band, the band members have certain songs that they really, really, really love. Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite that you guys sing as a band? As a band, I love older ladies because everybody participates, and we invite yeah. people to come up from the audience, mm-hmm. and it's just so joyful and fun and relatable. When you guys were singing Older Ladies at your concert, the big one that was at the barn, yes, the, the women singing with you were weeping. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. It was so tender. They just were like, but not in a sad way they were just so happy to be seen and to have a song that they could associate with moved yeah Mm -hmm. really moved it was so sweet so we invite for those people that haven't seen the texas lovers we invite um all the women over 50 to come up at our encore uh when we sing older ladies and they like doing they do (laughs) we couldn't even fit them all on the stage it's kind of an anthem huh it is for women it is and it just makes me feel powerful strong i don't know about powerful empowered i would say yeah and and just a strong woman and yeah this is me yeah one of my um things as a songwriter because I didn't play them uh, an instrument, it would just come, right? And so I'd get the melody, and I'd get the words, but then I'd need someone to help me um, make the chords. And more often than not, people would say, I cannot get your songs out of my head. Call me. Yeah. Ooh, can't get your songs Every out of time, my head. if I even just like stumble in to see you guys practice, and it's the first time I hear a song, it'll be stuck in my I'll be doing my dishes, <laughs> and I'll be singing it. They're very catchy. Well, and one of the things that I did was took responsibility for that. I'm like, well, if my songs are known to stick in people's heads, what do I want in there? And I threw away all my poor me, you know, victim songs, and I only sing funny, uplifting, poignant, and that's what the Texas Lovebirds is about, you know, is our, is our mission is to inspire joy and laughter. And that's what we do. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you didn't get out of the question. What? What's your favorite song? Oh, my favorite. <laughs> I can think it depends on the day. Okay, yeah. let me think today. In this okay. moment. In this okay. moment, yeah. I'm not going to say it's of all. In this moment, I am really digging That's My Man. Um, oh, me too. <laughs> Wait, do I know this one or no? Donna, well, I sang it. Donna covers this I one. I cover this one. Oh. And one of the things that's so lovely about having the band is... Oh, yeah, these, you did sing it. I yeah, remember now. All these songs that I've never had brought to life or being brought to life and and she sings that's my man it's great it's just different from what i normally do it is (laughs) in a million years i never thought i would be able to sing a song like that first of all it's fast and Mm -hmm. most of the songs that i sing are you know pretty much ballads um but this one is is zippy and it's you know it's just like oh powerful and want to sing the chorus yeah sing the chorus one two that's my man, 85. That's my man, he's all mine. No one else can love me like my baby can. You can love, don't you touch him. That's my man. <laughs> it's fun. Instruments. Even in our rehearsals, we have fun. Oh my gosh! It's not just the shows that we have fun. We have. We laugh and we all get along, and everybody is committed to the mm, the group. I can feel that. You guys have such a good group too. You kind of have like a little bit of everything. We do. Oh. <laughs> Our bass player is Brett's twenty four. I haven't met Brett yet. Oh, he's oh. adorable. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. So, just he's you know into it. 
Yeah. With us at 24, he loves it. Yeah. He just wants to play music, and he yeah. loves playing with us. And even though he's quite a bit younger than we are, he fits. That's awesome. Yeah. I think if we find a third lovebird girl voice, Female. it's yeah. going to be somebody younger. Yeah. yeah. You know, fill out that, you know, why not? Just be yeah. universal. Totally. And then, so one of my favorites is Robert, because oh, he plays oh, the mandolin, gosh. and I play the mandolin. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, my idol. Have you heard you play the mandolin yet? You've never heard me play the mandolin? No. Sometimes Holding out on us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to hold out my talents. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you'll come up on stage and play with us sometime. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert is multi-talented. He does a lot of our arrangements and chord structure, and um, he plays the fiddle and the guitar. And he added a whole new dimension oh my to us. And he's a worker bee. He is. <laughs> he is. And then Tolly. Who Tolly is a Tolly. He is a Tolly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Six five. Yeah. Is he really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And he plays the banjo. He plays a mean banjo. Yeah, and so he sings good. like. Who's he sing like? Kind of like Johnny Cash or Johnny Hank Williams. Johnny Cash. Old, Hank Williams. Hank Williams yeah, is who Hank I always sing. Dad sent me voices. some Hank Williams song, and he was like, I think we're going to sing this. Is that the mm-hmm. Hall, Is that his Howlin' at the Moon? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It's like Jambalaya. Oh, oh Jambalaya. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, um, he, Dad just like sent me that, and I had that song stuck in my head so <laughs> long. Someone would even just like say Jan and be like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> but I could imagine Tolly singing it because he has a really similar voice to Hank yeah, Williams. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really love Hank Williams. And too. I just want to acknowledge you for singing. On the record. Oh, I know. And you said it was, was one of your ways to conquer a fear. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, our percussionist and accordionist yeah. is your sweet dad. And your Tom sweet Parrish. hubby. And my sweet hubby. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And it, they're, they're not being nice. He's super talented. He is super talented. Jimmy George, who's a very, very accomplished musician friend of mine, he said, Tom is your money ticket. Really? <laughs> he did. He said he that. Did. Yeah. Wow. He's just like your ace in the hole. He's he's right there right with there. the beat and keeps us on track. And it's so funny because um, they won't let me play anything. <laughs> I can play really lousy guitar, but it's not because I'm lousy. It's because I have um, white girl rhythm, you know, one, three, one, three, <laughs> and like, no, no, no. Remember my last band? Um, we should give her a tambourine, at least do a little Stevie. No, no, because no. I'll I'll hit it on the one and the three. We'll yeah. take the little the clangy parts off. So. <laughs> that's like playing the scarf. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You play the scarf. <laughs> exactly. That is kind of what Stevie Nicks played anyway. So yes, that's, that's true. That's there true. We go. <laughs> yeah. They said in my first uh, first band that I was in, which wasn't till later in life, and um, they were trying to be nice. They put sticks in my hand, and they took the sticks out of my hand, and and then I tried to play something else, tambourine, and they took the tambourine away. And Barry said, you know, in all earnestness, I once saw this woman who was so, um, she was so expressive, and she just kind of held a scarf and waved it. I'm like, Barry, you want me to play a scarf? <laughs> so I would bring one. That became the running joke. That's uh, so funny. I'm going to play the scarf. <laughs> we use that one in our show, too. Yeah. It's fun. We have this. Uh, my my best friend and I have this joke. We uh, when we were in high school, we lived in Germany with these exchange students, and her exchange student was like this. Um, both of ours were, but hers was so sweet. And I can't remember what. I think she held held up her keys, and she went scarf. Because we were like trying to teach it, you know, we would like hold up a spoon, we'd be like Lufel, or like you know, to learn. And so now we just have this joke that we'll just anything, we'll just hold it up and we'll go. Scarf? <laughs> I love that. that I remember cute. I was at a family reunion. There was this little boy, probably four, and he just took a shine to me, and I said, I'm going to go for a walk. He goes, I want to go with you. So I said, go ask your mom. And so we walk outside, and there's this little baby goat tied up to this tree. And he goes, he pulled up my shirt, hey, lady, let's go pet that camel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> Out of the mouth of the bay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, is there anything that you would like to share with our listening audience that 
we haven't talked about, and maybe even something that I don't know about you. Oh, gosh. I don't know that there's much, but hmm. I did learn a couple of things tonight, actually. Okay, here's the thing you don't know about me. If I take aspirin, I get a little squiggly nerve thing at the top of my left shoulder blade. It goes, <laughs> Okay, that's my... <laughs> now, see, now you know how much she knows me. Yes, yes. <laughs> I banged the table again. I didn't know that, and um, uh, I'll make sure never to give you any aspirin. <laughs> Useful tip. Yeah. Um, what would I leave with people? Find what brings you joy and do it. Mm -hmm. Make time for it. Yeah. No, I have everything... I'm singer-songwriter. I have wonderful friends. I take care of animals. I make art. And oh, that's another I thing we didn't talk wigs. about. Lead tours. <laughs> exactly. Make props. But everything I do, I feel like, and I don't have a lot of money, but I don't worry about a lot of money. I don't, I don't listen to that program anymore. Um, and I just know it'll work. You know, I just, and I feel great. Good. Yeah. And that's what I want for everybody. Yeah, and and you, you're really bright and shiny. Yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Takes one to see one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being here today. This has been so much fun. My pleasure. Yeah. Really just heart opening. Always. And at the end of our uh, episodes, we always have a little coaching um, activity and a writing activity. So I will offer coaching activity um, this week for people to open your focus and see the dirty fan <laughs> in, at the top of the ceiling or notice what's around you. And you might be really surprised if you just open your eyes, get it off your phone, get it out of your computer, even if you just did this for 30 minutes a day, just to go outside or walk around your home and notice. That's a good tip. Mm. Um, my writing prompt's a reading prompt, mm -hmm. and it's to um, find a song that you really love and uh, read the lyrics closely, because oh, nice. I think we don't often do that, and sometimes we kind of miss stuff, and there's so many great songwriters out there who have really beautiful um, lyrics that are fun to read along. I've been... I love the Milk Carton Kids. I was telling you about them. Yeah, we were listening here. to them last They're night. They're so good. And um, they have great lyrics. So pick a person, read some lyrics, and just let that be your, your muse, capital M. <laughs> nice. And in case somebody would like to read your lyrics, Donna, where can they find you? Oh, all over all the over. internet. Just look up older ladies or Donna Lou Stevens. Okay. And do you guys have any shows coming up that you want to tell people about? We don't have a particular date, but we will. Uh, they can join our website. And go to by going to my Facebook page, Donna Lou, all one word, Donna Lou Stevens, and then because I post everything there. Cool on my music page. Sounds good. Yeah. We're working on that website. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> we don't have that quite together yet, but it's coming soon. And we will actually be having a concert sometime within the next three weeks, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And we're entering the Tiny Desk <gasps> concert. We are. Oh, I we just have to find that. a tiny desk. We might use this. Yes. Oh, are I you familiar a, with it? I have NPR? a really good desk. <gasps> oh. It's like light. I feel like you could just... We'll talk about it later. Okay, we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if All you right. haven't, if you haven't, um, don't know about Tiny Desk. Yeah, check it out. Look it up. There's some fabulous musicians. Beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Lily. Where can we be found? We can be found anywhere your favorite podcasts are sold. Um, just kidding. Given away. Um, mindfulness. Mindfulness. Dot com. And um, podcast app. Um, Tune in Stitcher. Uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, please subscribe. We would love that. And let us hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I see you guys listening. Yeah. <laughs> we do see that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much 
for being here and we will see you next time. And remember, don't take it all too seriously. <laughs>